When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Another episode of Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly, and joining me this episode is from Justice's First Dawn, a classic JLA podcast, making his debut here on the show, Mike Peacock. Hello, Mike. Hello. I've gone electric. I've outstripped my folk roots of <laughs> Justice's First Dawn, and gone electric is going to cause a stir in the industry right now. I'm going to get an axe and try and cut the power cord in a second. So uh, you look very good in the polka dot t-shirt, I have to say. Oh, uh, well, thank you. Yeah, uh, Mike, well, thank you so much for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. Now, before we get into the song in question, which in this case is Stuck Inside of Mobile with the Memphis Blues again from Blonde on Blonde from 1966, we want to talk a little bit about, uh, Mike, like, how did you come to, you know, Bob Dylan? How did you come to the music? How did you find it? You know, it's really weird. I actually thought about today, it's like, it is actually literary connections, of all things. I mean, I've probably heard uh, Bob Dylan's music before, because uh, my dad was a big, uh, quote-unquote, classic rock listener. He had, like, a local station affiliate, LAV, classic rock up the butt. But <laughs> uh, for me, my first recognized introduction to Bob Dylan was actually between two books. One which probably directly connects with this song, which is Fear and Molding in Las Vegas by Hunter ah, S. Thompson. Right, right, right. And the other being High Fidelity by Nick uh, Hornby or Hornsby. I'm trying to remember which I think it's it is. Hornby, I think. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Yes, uh, and also that also bears another connection too, because I think Blonde on Blonde is heavily referenced in that book. And between those two literary connections and the time I discovered them in my life, I was sort of like, wait a minute, let me actually give this Bob Dylan a try, see what he's like. Turns out, yeah, he did click. So, like I said, it's just the weirdest of connections sometimes where you can pull from that, hey, you've got a musical influence, but you pick it up from books of all things. That's interesting. That's, I never really thought about that. But, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's certainly a way to, to sort of go about it. I mean, yeah, they, they even reference uh, – I've never read the, the book High Fidelity, but in the movie, uh, there's a scene where Jack Black is talking to a customer and the guy reveals that he doesn't have some album and you don't know what album it is. And then Jack Black pulls out Blonde on Blonde. And he and he hands it to the guy and he goes, "It'll be all right." And the guy like clutches it to his chest and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> um, so what is it about this song in particular? I mean, this this is one crazy ass song. <laughs> you know, and I realize a lot of the other people that have guested on your show they picked deeper, meaningful songs, and obviously Bob Dylan did win that Nobel Prize for uh, lyricism and his poetry for good reason. But it's just sort of like. Yes, I can understand the man has meaning in his words, but there's also sometimes great songs where it's like, you just have to listen to it and go, what was he thinking? But he paints <laughs> such a vivid picture, and it makes you wonder, but at the same time, you're just like, I can still picture this bizarre stuff in my head. And there's just this backbeat to the song. It's definitely a rollicking, and I hate to say it in stereotypical connection to kind of like the road nature of fear and loathing, but it's like, it definitely does have a driving tune to it. Like, you could actually put this song on as part of, like, say, a road trip mix, and it would fit in perfectly, so. Mm. Yeah, that's absolutely, that's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, it, this is one of these songs. It's nine verses. 
the song clocks in at a little over seven minutes. So it's it's really one of his sort of epic performances uh, that you can find on Blonde on Blonde. And apparently he recorded something like 20 versions of it. Uh, you can hear alternate versions on various different bootleg series, and they all have uh, different things to recommend. But Dylan had a kind of tough time keeping up with the song. You mentioned the sort of driving beat to it. And, I mean, it starts off with that harmonica comes in, and then the, the beat comes in, and it's really catchy. I mean, it is one of his nicest uh, catchiest melodies and, you know, overlaid these, what seems like nonsensical lyrics. I mean, at the first part, when you first hear it, it says, oh, the ragman draws circles up and down the block. I'd ask them what the matter was, but I know that he don't talk. The ladies treat me kindly and they furnish me with tape, but deep inside my heart, I know I can't escape. Oh, mama, can this really be the end to be stuck inside of Mobile with the Memphis blues again? And you just... <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What the hell is he talking about? But it's it's funny. You can sort of, at least for me, when I first heard it, it, I was baffled as to what he was saying. But I got a with a lot of Dylan. It is not so much intellect as it is feeling. You know, it's not meant to be taken sort of literally or anything. And there's definite. I de- I get a definite vibe from this song of what he's trying to say, or at least what it means to me. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he just paints pictures, and it's just really bizarre to think like okay you're trying to piece together like meaning of oh geez let me actually pull up a piece that actually maybe i could hold us uh, some meaning today uh let me just count down the verses one two three four five six six verse i guess you could say probably does have some meaning to today with not a senator senator came down here showing everyone his gun handing out free tickets to the wedding of his son and me i nearly got busted and wouldn't it be my luck to be caught without a ticket and be discovered beneath the truck and i'm not going to do the verse again because it's like people if you didn't catch the first verse by rob <laughs> There's really no bearing in repeating it. Yeah, right. It's true. You're presented with a sort of kaleidoscope view of all these different characters. And, yeah, you're right about the sort of road feeling of it because you're like, well, there is some sort – it's not a story exactly, but you are being put on this journey. Uh, You know, we're meeting different people and different things are happening. Uh, In preparation for this this episode, I went and looked up a couple different online uh, things about the song and about – Different different meanings and interpretations, and somebody on Reddit uh, had a really interesting view of it. But that this is a song of someone in purgatory. This is someone that has died, and they are waiting to either descend to heaven or go somewhere. And they 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 feel like they have some some evidence. Because you talk about it in the second verse, it says, "Well, Shakespeare, he's in the alley with his pointed shoes and his bells." Speaking to some French girl who says she knows me well, and so he's he's meeting different people in the hereafter. And there's the line, and there's the whole bit about um, the in the, the first verse where I talked about. He says, "Ragman draws circles up and down the block." There's a the ladies treat me kindly, and they furnish me with tape, which someone suggests is police tape. You know, when a body is found, they put the police tape down on the ground, and that's this person's body looking at himself huh. as he ascends into heaven. And you know, it, that's nuts. But at the same time, I'm like, eh, it kind of, you know, it works if you want it to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think the. Excuse me. The deepest uh, piece that I saw on this was obviously it's probably someone that you know wants to attach it to the song, and that's perfectly fine. But it's just sort of like it's a standard stock answer to something you don't understand. Of like, well, this is obviously a song about a drug trip, and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, yeah I guess if you wanted to just sort of say this is a nonsensical babblings of somebody that just maybe had a few too many Hello Kitty acid tabs in one day, then that's fine too. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I said as as I, as I said, there's there's little bits and pieces where you can pull out where you can say, well, all right, this is what this means to me. You talk about the uh, now the preacher looks so baffled when I asked him why he dressed with twenty pounds <coughs> of headlines stapled to his chest, and I always took that as that's someone in this case the preacher whose past cannot be escaped. Mm. You know, the, the 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 record of his past is stapled to his chest, so it's like he can't ignore it. And so that's – I'm like, okay, you know, I take that piece out of it, you know what I mean? And he says, when he, but he cursed me when I proved to him, and then I whispered, said, not even you can hide. You see, you're just like me. I hope you're satisfied. And again, it's the, – the Dylan's vocal performance is really interesting and very warm, uh, and the conversational tone to it I find – very alluring. I mean, for for a song that goes on as long as it does, like I said, it's over seven minutes. I re-listen to this one a lot. This is this is something that really works well, despite the fact you really kind of don't know what it means. It it I think it it bears a lot of repeat listening. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to play favorites, but going on sort of like the epic nature, I actually find this one a little bit more listenable than say one of his more recognizable epics, uh, Desolation Row, a little bit more in mm-hmm. my ears, a little mm-hmm. bit. But I, if you want to go to this world, I'm definitely going to say that I do not want to meet the railroad men in this world, personally. I mean, heck, they're, like, talking crazy stuff like drinking your blood like wine and punching your cigarettes and smoking your eyelids. Smoking like, your eyelids, yeah. I'm like, wow, geez, okay, a little bit of a severe uh, imagery there. But. <laughs> and the other thing Dylan always loves to mention in his in his songs is these women. He meets all these different women. Now, it's funny. At this point in his life, he had just gotten married. He got married in, I think, November of 65. He recorded most of Blonde on Blonde down in Nashville, which even by that by itself was was pretty strange for a rock artist to be down in Nashville. And he was like, you know, he wanted to go for that kind of sound. And he was down there with these local musicians. But so a lot of these songs are written right after he got married. And yet, you know, a lot of the album deals with one night stands and, you know, these, these women that he's running into. And there's a verse here where he says, when Ruthie says, come see her in her honky tonk lagoon, which is what a great honky tonk lagoon <laughs> where I can watch her, wa- I can watch her waltz for free neath her Panamanian moon. And I love the way he sings. He, he's like, neither Panamanian moon. Like he really <laughs> pushes into it and he makes it sound dirty, even though it isn't inherently but it sounds dirty. It sounds like the, it's some sort of uh, you know lascivious come on. And he says, "And I see all oh, come on now. You must know. You know. Okay, it's hard to say. But it's hard for me to say, let alone sing. All <laughs> oh, come on now. You must know about my debutante. And she says, you debu- your debutante knows what you need, but I know what you want. <laughs> and that that always figured to me is is a, you know these are the women Dylan is meeting on the road that are enticing him and trying to lure him into you know, going off the path because it's, you know, your debutante news knows what you need, but I know what you want. That's, that's a pretty, you know, that's a pretty direct statement. Yeah. And I know there's been uh, pages upon pages written about, I guess the women, like you could probably do like, yeah, tie it tangentially to another fine product on the network. There could be a who's who book about all the women in Bob Dylan's songs and like how they could tie into his life at various aspects of his development. And like you said, that particular line is just sort of like, well, hello, miss. <laughs> Can I meet you beneath your Panamanian moon myself a little bit? 
That's how, boy, I, I never had a chance to use that on anybody, but boy, I wonder if it would have worked. <laughs> Beneath your Panamanian moon, it's just, it sounds so cryptic and weird. Uh, it's Again, it's very alluring, and it said his vocal performance is, is really great. And so the song ends with the bricks lay on Grand Street where the neon madmen climb. They all fall there so perfectly. It all seems so well-timed. I love that little turn of phrase because it seems to suggest that you're getting scammed a little, you know, they all fall there so perfectly. It all seems so well-timed. Like there's something going on behind the scenes that you don't know about and you're being pushed into something. I don't know what it is, but you're being pushed into some particular direction. And then he ends it with, and here I sit so patiently waiting to find out what price you have to pay to get out of going through all these things twice. And again, that goes back to the whole theory about the, um, the, the guy being in purgatory because is is this guy saying he doesn't want to go back to earth? Does he want to go to heaven? Because, you know, he doesn't want to live through life again. He's he's done. He's moved on. And what do I have to do to get through going through all these things twice? Uh, and so it ends with Omamic and there's really been the end to be stuck inside a mobile with the Memphis Blues again. And so you're left with just, you know, that kind of like, okay, I don't know what. All right. Okay. But, yeah, it's so damn catchy and it chugs along at such a great – uh, you know, at a great pace, and the music, the, the backing musicians do such a great job that it really is amazingly catchy. And it was released as a single, oddly enough, for a song that's seven minutes long. Uh, it, it seems to be, you know, but back then Dylan could sort of do what he wanted. So, yeah, well, this was also during the. Again, if it was released as a single, it's still in the developing period of rock uh, radio, where leniency could be given to songs, especially if an artist was really hot. I mean, how the hell else do you explain why Stairway to Heaven had such a longevity right, on right. FM, AM radio? With, when, if you think about it these days, it's like, God, you can't even like pan out a four-minute song about coming up with like a two-minute radio edit at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were willing to accept that. Of, of you know, Dylan was sort of a special case. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, okay, he's allowed to make songs that go seven, eight minutes. So, uh, in terms of his live performances, he did not perform this for the first ten years of the song's existence. Its first time he ever played it live was in April of 1976. So by by then, the song was already ten years old, and apparently he's kept performing it. I've never heard him actually do it in, in any times I've seen him live. You ever seen him live, Mike? Unfortunately, uh, I've not had the okay. chance. I mean. To give your listeners a bit of a scene, uh, yeah, let's just put it this way. Michigan is not exactly the hotbed of, say, <laughs> classic rock uh, appearances, unless you happen to be uh, Motley Crue or a Kiss, then, <laughs> or Bob Seger. You have, like, a oh, right, right. eternity Seger, yeah, of yeah. existence here. <laughs> but I'm sure Dylan comes around to Michigan, though. I mean, he goes everywhere, so you can <laughs> you look out for it. But uh, he's played the song, according to BobDylan.com, 748 times, <laughs> which is just, it's just the fact he can remember all these words is pretty remarkable. Uh, he's last performed it in 2010, so it seems like he's retired it for a while. But, you know, you never know when he might dig it out again. I, I imagine trying to remember all these words is, is pretty pretty difficult, especially for a guy who's now 75 years old. Uh, you know, this is, especially since it's not a, a strict narrative. So it's probably hard to remember, wait, what part does Shakespeare come in? Wait, what, what part does the grandpa come in and the senator? Is the senator the third verse? No, 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 he's the fourth verse. Okay, okay. It's got to be kind of well, hard to do. Yeah, <laughs> not to cast any aspirations, but it's like, well, he's 75 years old. At this point, he could probably throw in any type of verse that he wants. Like, he could probably just come up with his grocery list if he <laughs> keeps in tune with the song. I think people aren't going to mind, like, you know, a verse of, like, 
uh, wheat bran and <laughs> mozzarella cheese. <laughs> oh, just... mama, can this really be the end? To be stuck inside a, a mobile with the Memphis Blues again. There you go. Did he just mention buying almond milk? The man is a genius. It's fantastic. Yeah. This is what he said. This is a really fun, great song. It's it's a phantasmagorical kind of trip into uh, the South where Dylan was steeped in at the time. And he really was soaking up the culture. And he said, it's just, it's a great song. It's one of the classic Dylan songs that even though it wasn't a hit, it really is, you know, part of the, part of the great part of his, his canon. So it's a, it's a really great song. So uh, I think that's going to do it for Stuck Inside of Mobile. Mike, do you have anything else you want to add before we sign off? I uh, can't really say much more than you've already had said. I mean, classic song off of a admittedly classic uh, Dylan album. Like, honestly, it would be a disservice to anybody if they are a fan of Dylan and they don't own Blonde on Blonde. It's just sort of like, well, wait, there's something about this puzzle that's not quite clicking. Mm-hmm. So it definitely is a puzzle piece fit into an already great album. Like, I can't really picture the album without this song on it. It just doesn't feel like a complete portrait at that time. That's a, that's true. Yeah, you're right. I mean, think about that. That would be really interesting to have, have that. But it really does have a nice spot in there because you did the other really long, the couple other long songs in the album, "Visions of Johanna" and uh, uh, "Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands," are much more slow and I don't want to say ponderous in a bad way, but they are just they seem much more serious. And then this one is more lighthearted, and the way it sort of just chugs along, it's really yeah, you're right. It really it, it comes at the right exact point in the and it's a double album too. It really fits in the. Perfectly. It's, it's almost like Bob knew what he was doing. When he was on the bond. So, uh, so, Mike, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Where can people find you on the internet? Well, people, <clears throat> if you want to hear me in healthier times, uh, and even during this time, you can look me up at classicjla.podbean.com, or you could just do a search for Justice's First Dawn on iTunes, and you will find Justice's First Dawn, a classic Justice League of America podcast where I tackle the classic pre-crisis run of Justice League uh, in a randomized order. I'm still working my way right now through the introductory block before the satellite era. So that's kind of where it stands right now. It will be getting the satellite era fairly soon, I would say. Oh, very exciting. I love that show, and I love the original Justice League, obviously. So, yeah, it's uh, everyone to listen to. It's a really fun comic book podcast. So, uh, Mike, again, thank you so much for doing the show, man. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you working through your, your Vulcan death call to, be, to do it. <laughs> oh, darn you, Spock. You, you just couldn't, you know, stay home from work one day. <laughs> really, you couldn't. <laughs> so, uh, of course, if you want to follow the show, it's over on, uh, you can find it on Twitter at pod underscore Dylan. And this and all our other great shows can be found on our web, our network website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until uh, next episode, we'll see you later. Bye. All the ragman draw circles Up and down the black I'd ask him what the matter was But I know that he don't talk And the ladies treat me kindly And they furnish me with tape But deep inside my heart I know I can't escape Mama, can this really be the end to be a stuck inside of more?